Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash FutureInvestor slash radio. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. First, a powerful storm has been moving up the eastern seaboard, and it is sure to have an effect on that part of the country's morning commute. Let's get the latest from Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn. Rob. Nathan and Karen, a potent storm system moving up along the coast will bring rain heavy at times to the tri-state area and southern New England. The worst of the storm has already gone by the district in Baltimore. We'll see rain tapering off by midday in the New York City area to scattered showers, but the rain will continue late in the day through the Boston area. Boston seeing one to three inches of rain from this system. Big problem with the high winds, high wind advisories, and wind warnings are in effect from coastal New England all the way across Long Island. And we are going to be looking at some areas seeing gusts over 55 miles an hour through the morning. Oh, wow. Okay. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn will be checking back with you throughout the morning. Well, now we want to bring you the latest developments in the war in the Middle East, Nathan. International pressure is intensifying for a ceasefire. Foreign secretaries from the U.K., France, and Germany are all calling for hostilities to end after three hostages were mistakenly shot by the Israeli military. We get the latest from Bloomberg's Bill Ferries. Politically, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu under uh, increasing fire domestically because of the uh, apparent killing of those three hostages killed by IDF forces. That's kind of raised the issue again about the, the situation of the more than 125 hostages still being held. Uh, you have Secretary, uh, Sec- Pentagon Secretary uh, Lloyd Austin in the region expected in Israel possibly today uh, raising those same issues. So. Uh, certainly on all fronts, I think the Israeli government finding itself under an increasing amount of pressure to at least have uh, come to another temporary ceasefire. And Bloomberg's Bill Ferries reports Israel's foreign minister says any call for a ceasefire with Hamas is a, quote, prize for terrorism. Now well, back here in the U.S., Karen, the top Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee is weighing in on the impeachment inquiries that the House just voted to authorize into President Biden. Lindsey Graham says he hasn't been paying much attention to them. If there were a smoking gun, I think we'd be talking about it. But, you know, the narrative that Hunter Biden presented is falling apart. The idea that Joe Biden knew nothing about the business dealing is falling apart. And Senator Graham tells NBC's Meet the Press he's more worried about the Middle East and securing the border than impeaching the president. You can hear Meet the Press every Sunday on Bloomberg Radio. Meanwhile, Nathan, the White House has taken aim at former President Trump over his use of inflammatory language to describe immigrants. And Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has more. The White House says they are un-American. The statement says echoing the grotesque rhetoric of fascists and violent white supremacists. Trump was trying to rally his base around the issue of immigration. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. Saying they're coming in from all over the world. From Africa, from Asia, all over the world. They're pouring into our country. Uh, The White House says clear oppression and a threat to democracy. And Trump rival Chris Christie on CBS has heard on Bloomberg. I don't know how you could take someone like that and say that they're fit to be president of the United States. 
Trump continues to hold a massive lead in the polls of the GOP. Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Ed, thank you. Turning to markets and the Federal Reserve, Chicago Fed President Austin Goolsby says it's too early to declare victory over inflation. He says there's still work to do to get price pressures down to 2%. 2023 looks like it's going to end up being a very substantial reduction in inflation without a big increase in the unemployment rate. Mm -hmm. That's the golden path that I talked about. But we're still above the target. We got to get inflation down to target before, until we're convinced that we're on path to that. It's an overstatement to be counting the chickens. Chicago Fed Chief Austin Goolsby made the remarks on CBS's Face the Nation. Last week, policymakers signaled they expect to cut rates three times next year. Well, Nathan, that dovish stance by the Fed has some uh, key strategists bullish on the markets. Goldman Sachs' David Costin says the S&P 500 will rise to a record 5,100 next year. He says falling inflation and Fed easing will keep real yields low and support valuations. And Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson, who's been bearish on stocks all year, says the Fed's dovish pivot is a positive signal for stocks. Well, while other top banks have succession plans in place, Karen, there's still question about the future leadership at J.P. Morgan Chase. Halfway through Jamie Dimon's special incentive to stay five more years as CEO, insiders are predicting more senior leadership changes to help potential successors gather experience. A management shuffle in mid-2021 put two deputies into the spotlight as the board prepared to grant Dimon a bonus if he remains CEO another half decade. But with neither of those two, the clear frontrunner, inside sources tell us the two consumer banking co-heads will likely need to tackle new assignments before one of them is ready to run the whole company. Well, in deal news this morning, Nathan, Amsterdam-based chemicals company OCI has agreed to sell its U.S. crop nutrient business to Coke Industries. The price tag is $3.6 billion. It's the second disposal in a matter of days by OCI, which is under pressure from an activist investor. And IBM has agreed to buy data integration platforms, stream sets, and web methods from Software AG for $2.3 billion. IBM says the deal will strengthen its position as demand increases for cloud services is tailored to AI applications. And it's time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Amy Morris. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Karen. A Texas congressman says the Senate and the White House will have to sweeten the current border security deal to get an aid package for Ukraine and Israel through the House. The root of the issue is labeling cartels as terrorist organizations. And the other piece is holding these smugglers accountable that cause damage and kill Americans. Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, GOP Congressman Tony Gonzalez acknowledged that what the Senate and the White House want is much different from what the House wants. One Senate Democrat says Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is undermining a vision of peace. Prime Minister Netanyahu has been an exceptionally difficult partner. Delaware Senator Chris Coons said on CBS's Face the Nation that President Biden and most of Congress want a two-state solution with Israel and an independent Palestinian nation. The House of Representatives is expected to move forward with its impeachment inquiry against President Biden after last week's party line vote approving the inquiry. New York Congressman Dan Goldman is a former federal prosecutor and served as lead Democratic counsel to the first Trump impeachment trial. He says the Biden administration has handed over more than 100,000 pages of 
of documents to House inquiries. The cooperation from the Biden administration has been far above and beyond uh, what they need to do under the separation of powers doctrines, and certainly far more than what Donald Trump did in 2019 when he turned over zero documents. The investigation concerns the president's son, Hunter Biden, and his foreign business deals. Air travel experts have some tips now on how we can all navigate the busy holiday season. They're pointing to last-minute deals for tickets on Christmas Day and New Year's Eve. And they say you may avoid delays if you travel early in the day. Points guy Brian Kelly. The best advice I have is go early as possible. Expedia just did a survey based on tons of flights. And if you leave after 3 p.m., the odds of your flight being delayed or canceled are 50% greater. So even if you're not an early bird, take the early flights. Kelly says the cheapest prices you'll find are for Christmas Day and New Year's Eve flights. Global news, 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. I'm Amy Morris, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. Always travel early. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, we do bring you news throughout the day here on Bloomberg Radio. But now, as Amy said, you can get the latest news on demand, and that means whenever you want it. You just subscribe to Bloomberg News Now, and you can get the latest headlines at the click of a button. You can get informed on your schedule. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And it's time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. John. Karen, it's been a surprisingly rough season in Buffalo. The Bills two games out in the AFC East, but fighting to make it in as a wild card, and they serve notice that if they do make it in the playoffs, they could be a tough out. The Bills blew out the Cowboys 31-10. James Cook, 179 yards rushing. It ends the Cowboys' five-game winning streak. They had that big win last week over Philadelphia, but this loss could cost them the division. Could see them drop from the two-seed of the NFC all the way down to the five. The 49ers right now on course to be the top seed. Got their 11th win, 45-29 to at Arizona. Brock Purdy threw four touchdown passes. He's a candidate to be the NFL MVP. He says his teammate, Christian McCaffrey, deserves the award more. Last night, the 11th win for Baltimore, 23-7 at Jacksonville. That drops the Jags to 8-6 and six, and now in a three-way tie for first. AFC South with Indianapolis, who won on Saturday, and Houston, who came from 13 down to win in overtime at Tennessee. The Texans won without their starting quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Patriots fell to 3-11, lost at home to Kansas City, 27-17. Fifth straight loss for the Commanders, beaten by the Rams in L.A., 28-20. Celtics now 14-0 at home. Jalen Brown, 31 points in a 114-97 win over Orlando. The Warriors won at Portland. 118 to 114, despite Steph Curry scoring only seven points and not hitting a single three pointer. He was 0 for 8. It's the first time in five years Curry has played a game and not made a three. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for the Future Investor Data Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash radio. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business app, and Bloomberg.com, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. 
Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. On this Monday morning, Israel is resisting international calls for a ceasefire after its military mistakenly shot and killed three hostages who were being held by Hamas in northern Gaza. This as ships in the all-important Red Sea region come under greater attack from Houthi rebels in Yemen. Monitoring all this for us is Bloomberg's Oliver Crook, who has been following the war in Gaza since the October 7th Hamas attack on southern Israel. And Oliver is here with me now. Thanks for being with us. So we had this uh, joint letter over the weekend from the U.K. and German foreign secretaries Hmm. calling for a sustainable ceasefire. France's foreign minister following that up with calls of her own for a truce. What is the Israeli reaction to this growing international call for uh, some kind of ceasefire with Hamas? Yeah, there's so many dimensions to this. So, of course, from the Israeli perspective, there is a huge amount of resistance to talking about sort of ceasefires, general ceasefires. And again, they've always wanted to say pauses and the West and the sort of supporters of Israel have always sort of backed that. But what's interesting, if you actually read this letter by the UK and the German foreign secretary, it's very muddled, right? It's But again, it speaks to the difficulty of a lot of the countries that support Israel squaring the circle of what they see as a legitimate aim, which is removing Hamas, while at the same time not wanting to kill as many civilians. Killed. So on the one hand, they say, we want a sustainable ceasefire in this letter, but let us be clear, we do not believe in calling for it right now as a general and immediate ceasefire. First, Hamas needs to lay down its arms. So these are all conditions that they're, that they're seeing. But again, there's no indication that Hamas has any intention of doing so. They go on to talk also about the two-state solution, and something needs to change for a durable solution. But again, you want that without sending the signal that terrorism is the way to successfully achieve political ends. So you see them really squirming around this. What about the signal that the U.S. is sending? Of course, we have uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan in the region. In fact, he was in the region when we learned of this uh, hostage killing in northern Gaza. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is in the region as well. What kind of pressure is the U.S. bringing to bear right now? Completely. Let's take a step back. Let's go back to last week when Biden was saying that basically the Israelis are starting to lose some of the support because of the indiscriminate bombing that takes place. Now, that is a direct quotation, and that is a fairly strong pronouncement from Biden. Biden, who's been very supportive of Israel and who's obviously the most important uh, economically, militarily, and almost in every sense supporter of Israel. But what you had last week is you had Sullivan coming in, and this is you know, and this is the timeline for the war and what that looks like. The U.S. has been very eager to try to get more information from Israel on what that looks like. All we've really heard from Israel is that there's three major steps. There's the intense military campaign, which is what we're in right now. The second step is more surgical on the ground, dealing with leadership, and then the third is the kind of new security regime. What the U.S. is trying to do is trying to get into phase two as soon as possible. And you heard that from Sullivan on Friday, and you'll probably hear that from Lloyd Austin today um, when he meets with the Israelis and trying to really get a picture of what their vision of this war is. Is Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu facing domestic pressure as well to get to that second phase, given what we saw with the hostages over the weekend? I think that this is the difficulty where, on the one hand, there is this sort of full support in Israel of getting rid of Hamas and, you know, again, going to whatever is necessary there to do so. However, there is also this increasing pressure, particularly from those who have a great, great, great deal of concern for the hostages. I mean, they came out with this. It was absolutely shocking on Friday to the Israelis that they could have killed three of their own hostages, that their, you know, their mission is to save them, who came out apparently holding white flags and, you know, shirtless to show that there were no bombs, speaking in Hebrew. Of course, this is the sort of throes of war and a lot of things can happen, but that immediately triggered protests in the streets of Tel Aviv, outside of the defense ministry. And you're going to see that pressure continuing to mount because there has been a division from the very beginning from the Israelis about how they're conducting this war. Is this the best way to do it if you want to get the hostages back? There are still 130 or so left. 
And as this war continues, we're seeing shipping in the Red Sea coming under increasing attack from uh, Houthi rebels in Yemen. Uh, there's a complicated response to that as well. Yeah, so we had this over the weekend where we heard with Muller Maersk and Hapag Lloyd, both of the huge shipping container uh, companies of the world, saying that they're basically telling um, their shipping their ships to not go through that passage at the Red Sea that passes by Yemen. And we'll remember the Ever Given fiasco, right, from a couple years ago where the Suez Canal got blocked, that's about 12% of global trade that goes through the Suez Canal. And this is one of the points that you need to pass before you get there. So again, there are sort of the more macro concerns going around about, uh, about this. And of course, you have the IDF repeatedly warning, still to this day, hasn't quieted down in the north around Hezbollah. So again, all of these are still very much alive. And again, you're starting to see some of the macroeconomic consequences. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.